0: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group. Today is October 4th, 2021. And so let's just begin by taking a moment to link up with each other and with the worldwide network and sound the
1: mantra. We know, O Lord of life and love, about the need. Touch our
0: hearts anew with love that we too may
1: love and give. Our work together each week is twofold
0: to introduce this planetary service of triangles to people who are new to it and to aid them in the forming of triangles. And of course, that's part of the responsibility of all triangles workers every day, not simply through this webinar, to reach out to people you know, uh, who you think might be interested in this kind of daily service and to share some information with them We have cards and literature, and we have pins, triangles, pins. So if you'd like any information about triangles to be sent to you, please just let us know in the chat box and we'll do so. Because sometimes keeping a few materials around in your bag uh, can be a good way of sharing information. And yes, someone's asking if they can record, and yes, they can record this. And our other work is geared towards those people who are already members of Triangles. We come together each week to participate in a meditative visualization in the support and strengthening of the planetary network. And that's our privilege made possible by today's technology. Triangles is a simple visualization technique using the power of thought and prayer to uplift and transform consciousness. The work consists of simply establishing lines of lighted, loving communication between three people who agree to link up with each other every day. They form a triangle of light, mentally, spiritually, and in a spirit of goodwill to all humanity. Their triangle is then placed within the larger framework of the planetary network of triangles. And as the network is visualized, the great invocation, a powerful world prayer is sounded in order to release and circulate spiritual energies throughout the world reaching all open hearts and minds with spiritual stimulation. The work need only take a few minutes each day and can therefore be fit into even the busiest of schedules. So after our meditation today, we're going to be hearing some thoughts on intuition and uh, visual, no, creativity, int- imagination and intuition, I'm sorry, by Michael Galloway, my coworker here in New York at Lucis Trust. So we really look forward as always to hear from Michael And so now as we always do at the beginning of our meetings, let's work together with a brief visualization to prepare us for our later meditation.
1: So let's link up with each other, visualizing the planet as a sphere of lighted energy. And within that sphere, visualize a
0: planetary triangle composed of the three great planetary centers, Shambhala, the first ray head center of the planet,
1: the spiritual hierarchy, the second ray center, and humanity the center of creative intelligence. Visualize the energy
0: circulating and flowing in all directions around the triangle. Visualize the three points merging
1: and blending with one another, filling the triangle with light. Now superimposed upon that triangle, visualize
0: a five-pointed star. This is the star
1: of the world teacher, linking east and west, past and future, radiating the energy of love, wisdom. At each point of the star, the sphere of his activity stands an outpost of his consciousness, the five planetary centers. And visualize the energy of
0: love pouring out through each of these centers and their
1: corresponding cities. London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo. Visualize these outpouring
0: energies enlivening small groups gathering everywhere. Aiding them to focus and direct the energies into the consciousness of all humanity. Solving its problems,
1: creating right human relations, restoring peace on earth. visualize the rainbow bridge connecting
0: the group with the spiritual hierarchy and sound together the invocation
1: of light. Radiance we are and power. We stand forever
0: with our hands stretched out, linking the
1: heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. mm mm-hmm. So contributing
0: to the theme that Michael's chosen chosen on the imagination and intuition, I'll just share a few thoughts. To imagine is to look beyond the known boundaries and to contemplate landscapes or fields of consciousness that are beyond our known understanding. Concepts that we cannot yet grasp but towards which we can bridge as we establish the right conditions within consciousness. With each step forward, we recognize more fully than ever before the vastness of all of it and how little we know and how much is yet to be revealed. A contemplation of the vastness of the starry heavens the never ending enormity of the groupings of star systems and the great lives who embody them, stimulates our imaginative powers as we contemplate this powerful symbol of the immensity of the as yet unrevealed vastness of the inner worlds. For the law of analogy always holds true. Since the Aquarian age began coming into manifestation some 500 years ago, this widening of our perceptions of the heavens has greatly expanded. And now it is widening exponentially further still through the use of technologies such as high powered telescopes and space probes. We're seeing into this vastness things that were previously unimaginable. The boundaries that once confined us to the planets that are visible to the naked eye have now been stretched to the far limits of the systems of stars. We were previously held within the structures and confines of time and space as we understood them and which were symbolized by the planet Saturn. The farthest visible planet in our solar system, the planet, which is sometimes called the boundary or father time. But now we have an increasing ability to reach beyond the confines of time and space. And we can therefore find this to be an outer symbol of an inner paralleling expansion with consciousness that now becomes possible. Such an expanded inner world vision was commented upon by Alice Bailey in relation to her work with the Tibet master. She stated that at times when she was working with him, she was able to penetrate or tap fragments of his mind, fragments of the vastness of his consciousness, which revealed astoundingly grand vistas of truth Truths which she could only fathom in a minuscule way, but at times she could, she felt, touch the fringes of something truly incredible. We can start this process of inner expansion by learning to work imaginatively, using the creative imagination which aids us to move beyond the block headedness, the concreteness of our normal everyday lower mentality. Our ability to imagine can bring this mind to life. And one day we can build it and nourish these forms that the imagination reveals. The work of triangles is one such imaginative activity that has the power to stretch the limits of the concreteness of our normal day. It has the purpose of planetary transformation, which we can imagine using our powers of visualization. We contribute to making our planet sacred and we help it to find its way out of darkness and into light. This immensity of the capabilities of the mind and how little we as yet have developed them bring home to us the fact that we have barely taken the first steps on the path. This understanding of our limitations is revealed in a commentary on an ancient Tibetan scripture. This passage expresses the recognition that dawns upon the initiate consciousness as he reaches into a high state of awareness. At this point, it's said he catches a glimpse of the enormity of it all, of the endless nature of the path as it reaches out to the very heart of the universe. He then comes to realize that even this great expansion of consciousness through which he has just passed, which is Nirvana itself, is but the beginning of the endless way. So the passage reads as follows, and it may be familiar to many of you. All beauty, all goodness, all that makes for the eradication of sorrow and ignorance upon earth must be devoted to the one great consummation. Then when the lords of compassion shall have spiritually civilized the earth and made of it a heaven, there will be revealed to the pilgrims, the endless path, which reaches to the heart of the universe. Man then no longer man will transcend nature and impersonally yet consciously in at one with all the enlightened ones, help to fulfill the law of the higher evolution, of which nirvana is but the beginning. That's from a book written by W.Y. Evans Wentz. It's called Tibetan Yoga and Secret Doctrine. Such passages which speak of levels of consciousness far beyond our own might appear of little value being so distant to us. But nonetheless, they serve to help us to realize the potential of that which exists beyond the boundaries of our inner space. So let's now work together with our meditation.
1: Let's link in thought as a soul, as a
0: point of love and light with all people throughout the world who
1: are working within this triangle's meditation group. And standing within
0: the center of the Evendarm cross, we project a line of lighted energy towards the highest center. Shambhala and sound together
1: the affirmation of will. In the center of the will of God,
0: I stand. Nought shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square
1: and serve my fellow men. Using the creative
0: imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of
1: light. Now lift the consciousness
0: higher still to the world teacher who stands at the heart of love,
1: at the center of the spiritual hierarchy and also at the heart of each triangle. Visualize these energies
0: unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness,
1: establishing right human relationships. Again, project
0: the rainbow bridge towards the spiritual hierarchy
1: and sound together the mantra of unification. The souls of all are one and I am one with them.
0: I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight.
1: distribution,
0: sound the great invocation, silently or aloud, and as you repeat each stanza, visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity, as a channel through which light, love, and divine purpose may flow
1: into human consciousness. Thank you, everyone. So now
0: I'd like to welcome Michael. Hello, Michael.
2: Hi, Kathy, can you hear me? Yeah. Excellent. So hello, everyone. As Kathy mentioned, I'll be speaking today, just sharing a, a short presentation on the imagination and the intuition. And I'd like to preface this presentation by acknowledging that these two words have many different definitions and are used to describe by some people um, totally different things than what will be, than what I'll be describing tonight. And the point of the presentation isn't really to argue whether what one person calls the intuition and what another person calls the intuition, you know, which one's more correct rather just to distinguish that these are, you know, two different things and, um, and not to make any comment about which is, which is more correct. Today, we will be talking about the terms, both imagination and intuition, as they are used in esoteric philosophy, which does ascribe to them a very precise and scientific meaning. So both of these faculties, imagination and intuition, are inherent even if they are unawakened in every human being. And they can be viewed as the higher and lower interludes of the creative process of the soul. It is the task of the soul to create on earth the pattern of things as they are in the heavens. And this creative task requires the ability to contact both the higher realms of spiritual reality and also to work within the subtle worlds of glamour to which our opening invocation today referred. The creative task of the soul, as it seeks to bridge between spirit and form, requires the ability to see and perceive beyond all veils of illusion and distortion, but paired with this must be the ability to employ the creative will within the three worlds of human living and to mediate that higher vision into some form. Imagination always precedes the intuition and in many ways is its seed. While intuition can be defined as the direct grasp of truth, imagination is the ability to bring into one's mind and brain some combination of forms to express that truth. Though the imagination is often employed towards perpetuating glamours and fancies of all sorts of different types, it is also a powerful tool for creation of any sort. While there are many who believe that the human being is capable of original thought and creation, there are numerous occult and metaphysical writers who suggest that there is no truly original creative capacity in the human being. They posit that all that is and can be imagined already exists within the subtle worlds of our planetary ring past not. Imagination from this perspective is therefore the ability to tune in on what is already there, though yet unexpressed, and to bring it into some form within one's own mind and brain. When that which is imagined is steadily visualized, vivified, and the will brought to bear upon it, it can be projected into existence. This, this process highlights that the creative power of the human being is not necessarily in creating something entirely out of nothing,
1: but rather to mediate new life into existence. Imagination,
2: as many of us already know, surely, is a very important tool in treading the spiritual path and it is instrumental in the employment of the as-if technique. In this technique, the mind is imaginatively directed towards an alignment or goal which does not yet exist with the intention to bring about its manifestation, usually within one's own consciousness. There's first desire, then focused intention, followed by imagination and visualization, and eventually the steady employment of the will, which is holding the mind steady on what one wishes to create. In time, this leads to this acting as if leads to the fulfillment of the creative work. Imagination is described by many by theosophists as comma Manasik. And this specialized term simply means that it is neither pure desire nor pure mind. The imagination links desire and mind, and it connects the mind to the brain. It is therefore a bridge between them and key to the, quote, exteriorization of the veiled splendor, as the Tibetan so clearly expresses it. Imagination makes possible the eventual escape from the illusion and glamor of the human experience and becomes a way of emergence into the wonder, beauty, and joy of human living. Through the imagination, the hidden spiritual nature of each and every individual descends into the brain consciousness, and there persists as a beacon of light for those seeking to tread the way of return. Helena Blavatsky has referred to the imagination as, quote, one of the strongest elements in human nature, end quote. One need only bring to mind the greatest that humanity has created in the fields of art, literature, music, and science as a testament to the power of the human imagination. But while the imagination is key to the fulfillment of the creative task of the human, the intuition is key to the creative task of the soul as it seeks to bridge between spirit and form and to mediate divine ideas into human thinking, and civilization. Intuition is perfect sight, and also pure reason. The highest use of the mind, entirely free from prejudice, illusion, and divisiveness. The intuition is a means of perception which is free from all doctrine, and and all of the limitations of form as we know it. It is impossible to express what one sees in the light of the intuition in its fullest purity, for even the most perfect of forms distorts, refracts, and veils it. The mind is the means whereby the intuition can be accessed, and this requires the ability to unify the many and varied aspects of one's spiritual and material nature. This union is most clearly symbolized upon the plane of mind, where the two aspects of the mind meet, the concrete and the abstract. These must be unified through the medium of a third factor. and This third factor is the soul, the true self which persists even after death. The soul is the thinker and creator of forms. The soul possesses the ability for abstract thought and also the ability to express those abstractions in accurate and coherent forms. Meditation is the key to achieving the soul consciousness, which eventually leads to an unimpeded rapport across the entire plane of mind and of course a rapport between mind and brain as well. Through meditation, one learns to contact the soul and gradually to express that contact through the round of daily living and relationships. This gradual integration of the soul and personality leads eventually to their fusion and at-one-ment. This prepares the way for the soul increasingly one with its reflection, to penetrate into those higher realms of mind and
1: heart, and to mediate that vision into human thinking. Today, the human imagination
2: is stronger than ever. And this is evidenced by the many new and creative ideas of how to transform our social, economic, and political systems to be more just, efficient, and in alignment with our highest values. Today, despite the fact that these new creative ideas are emerging from every side, it is clear that this vision is also conflicted and that there is still disagreement about the way forward. During these times, we are challenged to employ the imagination and to cultivate the qualities of understanding, and universality, which are characteristic of the intuition, really to merge the imagination and the intuition as two phases of one endeavor. Rather than devolving deeper into the realm of doctrine and thus disagreement, the better path for humanity is an upward one, one that is perhaps more abstract in a sense but also more meaningful because it unites that which is good and true out of the many current and disparate propositions. The clarifying light of this higher thought, that which is full of glamor becomes more obvious and easier to discard and the way forward is gradually revealed. This work is really the work of mediation. And it requires individuals and groups trained in the art of clear thought, possessed of sensitivity to the many varied ways of approach and willing to always tread the middle way. And also it requires the moral alignment to see the highest good worked out no matter what. And in a way, our triangle's work supports all three of these necessities. For in the triangle's work, we seek to align in the mind, through the mind, and really through the soul, to see the way between the many different ways of disagreement and to stay aligned with that highest moral good and of course, to do it all as a group.
1: So that completes my presentation.
0: Thank you so much, Michael. It was really a beautiful talk. Many, uh, many ideas there expressed for us to ponder. And I, I think you uploaded the transcript, right?
2: I attempted to. Let me double check and see. if Yeah, it's there. It's okay. There.
0: Great. Um, so I know that there's much uh, differentiation among people today as to what the intuition really is. And I know you definitely spoke about that, but I wondered if you could clarify for people the rather very exalted nature of the intuition as understood esoterically, uh, so that people can uh, get greater clarity on that.
2: Yeah, yes, of course. So um, the intuition, as in its purest form, a true intuition is uh, incredibly, incredibly rare. And, you know, the word is used today rather flippantly, to describe any sort of, you know, psychic impression or even a sort of prescience about uh, maybe uh, some aspect of one's daily life. And, you know, like I said earlier, I'm not here to argue and say, okay, well, this is how everyone should use the word intuition necessarily. But when we're speaking about esotericism, which is really where that word comes from. Um, You know, the intuition is something which is not really accessible to the average or even the above average person. It's something which we strive towards. And it's something which I think we gradually achieve in greater and greater degrees as that soul consciousness is, is attained as one learns to live and become the soul sort of new way of seeing the world around us begins to open up. And I think that's, to me at least anyway, my opinion, that's sort of the first um, dim reflection of that, of the intuition. Though it's not the intuition in its true sense, it is the light of the intuition as it is filtered through through the mind and of course, through the brain as well.
0: One of the most vivid uh, commentaries on an intuitive, a true, I believe, intuitive experience was something I read years ago from the life of Jean-Jacques Rousseau, um, great writer from Geneva. He was a young man who was actually a musician and he was traveling on a a country road, walking um, by himself. And he said that all of a sudden there came upon him a tremendous inner experience that was so profound that he could hardly stand. And he had to sit down under a tree and this event unfolded in his consciousness. And he described it as if he could see the whole, he didn't use the word plan, but that's really what it was. He could see the whole plan for humanity unfolding before his eyes. And it was stupendous. And he said that he spent the rest of his life, perhaps like a 30, 30 more years of his life, trying to unfold and present to the world through his writings, uh, just a fragment of that. And he, he became the voice for the entire enlightenment in Europe. And so we can see how that one intuitive impression Changed the world, you know, and how how rare that kind of experience really is. So I thought that was very profound. Um, So could you just give a little more? I know you touched upon it, but a little bit more on how we can use the imagination in our meditative practices, in our work of triangles, for example. Mm -hmm.
2: Well. Imagination and visualization are are really really similar in a lot of ways. Maybe even almost identical, <laughs> you could say. Um, but as we know in our <clears throat> the meditation we just did today, the employment of the visualization as we visualize our triangles, for instance, as we visualize the group soul, however we want to picture that, is a potent means of connecting with that energy. The mind works in symbols. And though there is, you know, of course, energy attributed to a symbol, the symbol is itself a form, but it's a means of approach. So if we have a symbol, even something like a triangle, or however we want to visualize the soul, and we keep that before our we keep that strong in our imagination, and we have an image of it and we hold it, hold the mind steady on that, it creates a way that we can sort of approach. Uh, the energy which that symbol represents and I think that's one of the most potent ways of working with um, with symbols and with the imagination in in meditation.
0: Thank you. So maybe we'll open it up now to the participants. Uh, so if anyone would like to share an audible comment you can click on the uh, I forget which
2: one it is. Uh, You'd click on the should be like a raise hand on your participant screen. Oh yeah. Okay. Or it's under reactions. It might be under reactions.
0: I don't see reactions on my.
2: uh, I don't think you have it on yours because you're. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, And my, and Kathy, my screen has frozen up again.
0: Okay, no problem.
2: So I can't see the chats. I'm sorry. Okay.
0: Oh, okay. You can't see the chats. So we'll, I'll read some of the chats, um, but if you could, some people said they uh, arrived late, so they wanted to have the transcripts posted again.
2: So- What maybe, I can do, I'll just re-enter the meeting. It'll take maybe 10 seconds. Okay, okay
0: no problem. That. Okay. Uh, so here's a hand raised from Joshua, but maybe we'll wait till Michael comes back. Um, let me just read a few. Some people are looking for triangles partners. So if you're looking for a triangles partner, maybe you could put yourself in touch with one another through direct message here. And please do consider registering your triangle. Are you back, Michael? No. Okay. Curtis writes, nothing you can know that isn't known, nothing you can see that isn't shown. Thank you. Um, and Michael, are you back? No. Uh, Nina writes a, a poem from Rumi Nothingness through you bursts these songs of pure passion. Time's darkness is adorned with the luminous tears. Cupbearer, never forget us. Fill the worlds with your breath. Archangel of the heart, make clay and water live. Breathe into our ears the divine breath of love. We are tumbled haystacks, Lord. Confused with straw, corn confused with straw. Blow on us, separate us, send grief to grief and joy to joy. So mind sinks back to mind and the heart soars to heaven. Thank you for sharing that. Michael, are you here?
2: I'm here actually. I was here the first time you asked, but I was muted. So oh, I thought okay, you heard sorry. me, but you didn't. I'm sorry about that. Okay. But I've uploaded the transcript again.
0: Okay, great. For anybody
2: who needs it. And that's a wonderful, a wonderful quote from Nina.
0: So I'm unmuting Joshua. Hi, okay. Joshua.
3: Hey guys, enjoyed the talk today. I had a uh, question, there's no questions from Facebook as it seems to be down, but uh, in light of what you were talking about with the development of the intuition and employing imagination, do uh, you and or Kathy have any thoughts on the use of symbols? Because I I believe it's said that the soul speaks in symbols.
2: I mean, yeah, I think the whole task of, of working with with uh the art of visualization and meditation is you know to to my thinking is to work with symbols um, I'm not really sure what was what was your question exactly just how just
0: I think he I think he got muted, yeah. Um, so, do you have any no-
2: comments, Kathy, on that? I didn't really. Well, yeah, I
0: would. I would just agree with that. That the whole practice of our meditations involves the visualization of symbols using the creative imagination. So, I, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, you said the soul speaks in symbols, and so I think part of you know meditation. We don't want to become passive, of course. But we can be receptive to impression, and so as you visualize certain symbols, you know there's a I think a give and take. So you may visualize a symbol, but through that symbol suddenly may come some sort of apprehension of of meaning. And so for me, like the soul speaks, and symbols may not necessarily mean like it's the soul is going to show you some symbol. Um, some sort of special symbol or magical symbol or something. I mean, of course, that may happen, um, but really it's more so the meaning behind many of the symbols which we're already familiar with that just becomes revealed to us. Symbols are, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. See, symbols are definitely you know the world of form and the soul has to do with the meaning and the quality behind that form always. So we seek to work with that in contact that meaning is one of the preeminent tasks of meditation.
0: Yeah, the use of symbols are the means of bringing soul energy down into the physical brain, actually, so grounding energy. So as we enter into this Aquarian age, this seventh ray cycle, we're all charged as we begin to work with more occult types of meditation to work with symbols, that's part of it, rather than the older forms of mystical meditation, which doesn't really bring to bear so much of that uh, ability to concretize energies. So Curtis, hello? Okay,
2: Uh, I hope people understood that I was quoting from St. John of Liverpool earlier. should it not be the case
0: that as esoteric groups endeavor as groups
3: to follow the instructions in the rules for disciples and initiates that the incidence of
0: true intuition will become less rare
2: i mean that seems logical definitely if you consider that we're gradually progressing forward. And we, you know, if you look at the Tibetan's writings and the Alice Bailey work, uh, to which you're referring, he, he does say that many, many people will begin to step onto the path of initiation, and also especially that groups will as well. So that seems a logical conclusion, but, you know, how, I suspect it'll still be very rare, perhaps just not as rare, or maybe it'll be a different sort of, uh, intuitive contact rather than individuals being impressed by the intuition, perhaps groups will be more so. And what that looks like, I really don't know um, or haven't really thought about either. Yeah, I, I think that the
0: group aspect of that is is central. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, definitely as we move into the Aquarian age, it will become more of a, a thing, I would definitely say, but, Right now, um, it seems that it's a rarity, of true intuition, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, these great, and you can look in history and see these great intuitive ideas, like the one you mentioned, Kathy, but you have to wonder, like, as it was working out, if to the people of that time it really seemed like it was necessarily going to be that guiding light which would propel them forward you know project them forward into the future you know and what's that what's that going to be for us of course it's you can see you can sort of tell it's already emerging but not in any you know at the same time i feel like people are still waiting for something really a little bit more definitive and a little bit more um, sort of obvious. But perhaps it's not going to be obvious uh, uh, except in hindsight, you know.
0: So there's a few comments <clears throat> if you'd like to read some, Michael.
2: Um, there's one that Suzanne, and I can't see the, uh, Suzanne Valles sent to me as a direct message actually, but she just, asked if uh to talk more about the mind and heart she says think with the heart and feel with the mind or the soul and yeah i think this is a really important point oftentimes we refer to the soul as the realms of mind and heart and the intention in doing so is just to highlight that the soul the consciousness of the soul which Sometimes we refer to it as like a place or location. It's really a state of consciousness. Is um, is really a union of love and intelligence, and also of will. So it possesses all three aspects, but mostly it's qualified by by the quality of love. So sometimes we think in the within the personality that the mind and heart have, uh, can so easily be at odds. And there's a great importance in bringing a harmony between those two different lines of approach. But it's important to realize that 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 unity, at least in my opinion, is when it comes from the soul, which is really higher than both of them, higher than the concrete mind and higher than the sort of um, emotional, sense of um attraction that we feel towards others of pleasure and displeasure that we feel from one thing or another in our daily lives but the the soul is able to love with such high compassion because it's above it's above that and it's also above the concrete mind but it doesn't mean it excludes them so it it includes them and it uses them both towards um towards sort of higher purpose, I guess you could say. And if we keep scrolling down, there's a lot of thank yous, a lot of gratitude. And Michelle Pineda says, perhaps intuition is a truth that transcends the concepts, the ideals of the threefold personality. Absolutely, I would definitely agree, Michelle. Um, Suzanne Valles asks if, I could explain the as if technique. So the as if technique is—it's a pretty simple technique, um, and it is based upon the truism that energy follows thought. So essentially, the idea is that if you want to achieve a certain state of consciousness, if you want to become something um, that you aren't already, the one of the best ways to do that is to simply ask as if it is already in existence or as if you're already a more loving person, as if you're already more compassionate. What that does is it engages the mind to focus on that idea. It engages the imagination to visualize um, that which you want to create or become through the process of focus and uh, regular focus and holding the mind steady on that objective, eventually it comes about. And that sort of process of transformation, you know, is very difficult, but the as-if technique seeks to present it in a way that it's just very straightforward and, you know, just almost just pretend, you know, if you can't even make that first step towards whatever goal you want to do, just pretend like it's already happening and just go about your way, your life like that. And that is sort of the first step to to making that approach.
0: Well, I think I'll send you these uh, further comments, Michael, but it's probably a good time to close the chat Mm -hmm. and just link with uh, one another and visualize the planetary network. And thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Kathy. There's so many. I'm seeing that there's so many excellent comments, but I look forward to reading them later.
1: Thank you.